Welcome back to the Mountains and the Sea. This is Christy. And this is Josh. And we cover Prince albums. We find the high, the low, and a time capsule for each and every album. And supplementary work as well, which is what this episode is. This is the final episode in a series about Around the World in a Day. Yes, and all the music Prince made around Around the World in a Day in 1985, (laughs) or thereabout. Yep. So we covered a couple episodes, the album proper, the last time we did extended versions, videos, b-sides. This time, we're going to cover The Family and their self-titled album. Right. We have also some vocal leads that Prince recorded. Yes. So we're going to talk about those where applicable and videos were applicable. Uh We're going to talk about Sheila E.'s Romance 1600. Yes, or as uh, Siri likes to call it, Romance 1600. (laughs) Yes, always fun. Yep. Then we have the Dance Electric, a song given to Andre Simone by Prince and its video. Manic Monday, a song given to The Bangles Uh by Prince and its video. Holly Rock, which mm-hmm. Prince worked on with Sheila E. and its video. And we have one unreleased track that we're going to touch on this time called Feline. All right. All right. So, but before we do that, it seems like just moments ago that we drew a winner for our contest. It does seem like moments ago. We have a special guest with us here today. Oh, the very first guest on our podcast ever in the history of the entire podcast. Who could it be? Who are you? My name is Clara, and I am your daughter. Oh, yeah. Um, How old are you? Ten years old. Awesome. Very good. And why are you here with us today? I am here because I'm going to pick the winner of a Paisley Park pen that looks like Prince's house in Paisley Park. That's right. We had a drawing. Do you know how people entered? Okay, they entered by retweeting us on Twitter, sharing our posts on Facebook, and writing us super nice reviews, which we so appreciate. We had a bunch of you participate, and we really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. So you tell us a little bit about this pen. Well, it looks like Prince's house in Paisley Park, and it's new. Hmm? What's that sound? It's the plastic. Oh, it's still in the packaging. Uh We didn't even open it? No. That showed a lot of restraint on our part, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. If you could keep this pen, would you keep this pen? Yes. Yeah. Are, do you want to keep this pen instead of do this drawing? No. Okay. Okay. So, are you an impartial person to pick a winner? Meaning, do you have any uh, reason to pick a particular person out of this bowl of names? No. You don't. It doesn't matter to you who wins, does it? No. Okay. Okay. All right. Awesome. So, before you pick. Raise your right hand and repeat after me. Okay. I. I. Clara. Clara. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. Good enough. To pick a random person. (laughs) To pick a random person. Out of this bowl. Out of this bowl. Right now. Right now. Um, Actually, you're just going to pick a piece of paper out of the bowl. There aren't actual people in there. (laughs) That would be weird. That would be weird. And it's darling me. Nisi. Nisi. Awesome. Nisi. Congratulations. Excellent. Thank you so much to everybody who participated in Darling Nisi. We will be in touch to figure out how to get your pin to you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Clara, for coming on the we, show with us. You're welcome. 
Well, wasn't that fun? It was nice to have a guest on the podcast. It, it Took a lot of the pressure off of me personally, <laughs> I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. All right, so we're going to start with the family's self-titled album. All right, so who the heck is the family? It's basically a reincarnation of the time, essentially, uh, with St. Paul, who had been brought in to play keyboards with the time, was sort of put as lead singer when the time dissolved, and uh, Wendy's sister, Susanna, who was also Prince's girlfriend for a period, served as lead vocalists. For the purpose of the band, there was Jerome Benton was part of the band, Eric Leeds on saxophone was a big part of it, Jellybean Johnson, who was the drummer. That was the core of the band. However, the band was sort of just a front, essentially. Yeah. Um, much like the time was for their first few albums. It, it was primarily written and performed by Prince and then uh, vocals overdubbed by Susanna and St. Paul at a later time. Um, I would say the other musician that had the most contributions to it was Eric Leeds on saxophone, for sure. And this was the first time, the first album that we had with Eric Leeds... Mm-hmm. And the first time that Prince worked with Claire Fisher. Yes. Um, you know, Eric Leeds was the brother of tour manager Alan Leeds at the time and was brought in. And um, Eric and Prince worked together throughout his career from 1985 forwards. Claire Fisher, who is a man, by the way, a lot yes. of people confused over that. Claire is a man's name also, C L A R E. I didn't know this, but it was Susanna's suggestion to Prince that he bring in. Claire Fisher because Susanna knew of him through her father who was a session musician and had worked with Claire before so uh, the interaction was done by mail snail mail always always done that way and um, there's one song in particular that was the first that Claire contributed an orchestral arrangement for and Prince loved it so much that he continued uh, working with Claire Fisher throughout his career and made a point of never speaking to him and never seeing him they never spoke on the phone it was all Always through the mail because he didn't want to change anything that was working, essentially. Yeah. So that's totally fair. Yeah, very You know, if you cool. don't know somebody's political opinions, you can't differ with them on it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, uh, well, certainly Claire Fisher added a lot to Prince's music oh, and was yeah. a big part of it, the, the album following this one, uh, the soundtrack to Under the Cherry Moon. Right. This album did pretty well. I mean, not great. Considering there was, n- there was no basic, promotion for there was it no and promotion. no tour, no nothing. It yeah. was sort of just a silent release, essentially. Yeah, by the time Prince got to the time he should have been promoting this, yeah, he too was busy. kind of too busy and maybe a little over it. And well, he and Jerome and Susanna were in France filming Under the Cherry Moon right. at the time, and St. Paul was supposedly taking acting lessons for what was supposed to be another Prince project that never came to fruition so they were all on assignment in other yeah, places they were all busy doing other and stuff and this album was just kind of left to dissolve essentially yeah i love i've got a quote prince vault on this where they're describing uh the contributions to the studio album and since the band was created after the album was recorded aside from eric Leeds' saxophone the band wasn't involved in creating their album to great extent apart from St. Paul and Susanna, much like the time before them. In fact, the band's drummer, Jellybean Johnson, just like on the Times early albums, is not on any of the record, and Jerome's contributions to the family are also minimal. Huh. So there's this entire band who did perform once at First Avenue. Yep, on and actually, August 13th, 1985, yes. one performance one and one performance, performance only. That's right. Um, but they weren't really... 
a band. It was really an outlet for Prince to get more music out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They Stuff have. We should say they have reformed. Uh, back in the early 20 teens, they came back together. Yeah, they was... were denied the use of the name The Family by Prince. Uh, say what you will about that, but they've got a number of albums out under the name F Deluxe. They've got yes. a studio album, a couple of live albums, and a cover album, all of which are. Yeah, pretty good. So yeah. they're all available on streaming services too, except for the family. Yep. Which is a shame. It is. But if you go looking on YouTube, you can, you find can it. pretty much find everything you can that find we're talking it. about. I, here. I heard this album the first time a friend of mine had the vinyl record, lent it to me so I could record oh, cool. it on a cassette because I couldn't find it anywhere and I was like twelve. Yeah. And then listened to it for years on this cassette recording that I had made of the vinyl. That's cool. For years and years. That's cool. Well, let's start into the album. All right. High Fashion. High Fashion. Is the first song on the album. Yep. It is was the second single and it was credited to Jerome and St. Paul originally. That was nice. Yeah. But not true. No. But Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of this was Prince's way of trying to take care of band members financially by giving them writing credits. If something yeah. was to be successful, right. they'd be compensated. Right. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of talk about how much people were paid to be in Prince's employ during this time and throughout his career, really. But there were these things sort of built in that I think were meant to yeah, take to care of them to a degree. for people. Yep. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah, very cool. So it starts out with kind of this fluty intro yeah, section. Yeah, kind of a synthesizer sound. I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah. Kind of whistly and yes. fun. And- yes. Uh, so this is sort of the introduction to what I would call like an overly dramatic 1980s band album, sure. I think. you know, These sure. are all young people, including Prince, who's behind it all. But the way the songs are written as if these are people who are extremely successful and have traveled the world and some of them have to a degree but they're singing a little bit above their pay grade on on the lyrics at parts i thought this actually the first two songs kind of run together high fashion and mutiny and they sort of have a very thin sound to them like they weren't super produced um yeah that's fair they sound a little weak in my opinion i don't know not not weak as in the type of songs, but like a weak sound to them. It doesn't have a lot of bass to it. Oh. Just something is missing there for me in the recording process. But huh. um, I thought High Fashion sounded like a song that could be written and sung for or by Morris Day. Yes, agreed. Sure. It was very much a look at the 1%. Yes. It was yeah. that this is, this is how they or we, as they were purporting to be, live, which was kind of fun. Yes, We've got lyrics in there that sort of poke fun at this woman because of her fashion sense. Mm -hmm. She's got a lot of money. She's Uh well-to-do. But at the same time, to get her attention, St. Paul is flashing $1,900 at him, Mm -hmm. which he can't even carry on his own. (laughs) can't even carry $1,900. No way. It's too much to fit in his wallet. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. $1,900 too much cash to hold but, um, you know, the line, Honey, I'm riding in back of a Rolls Royce limo, custom painted plaid. Uh-huh. It's delivered in a Morris Day kind of yes. voice to her, a Jamie Starr kind of voice. Very true. It was really fun. La Dome 
Is yes. something did that they referred to. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Uh, it was a restaurant in Los Angeles frequented by the rich and famous. It closed for good in 2007. Oh, um, but wow. it was founded by Elton John in 1977. How cool. I yeah, did not know that. I thought it was really neat. It was a... I did have a little issue with a little bit of the lyrics, and I'm trying to remind myself that when they're talking about sexy little girl and I took the child to my crib, Uh that he's Uh referring to her that way because she doesn't have a frame of reference for quote-unquote real life, that she is a child because of her wealth. Yeah. She doesn't have to deal with the real-life struggles that everybody else does. Right. Yeah, sheltered. Uh-huh. At the same time, uh-huh. yeah, no, no, I'm not going to... I'm not down for the sexy children <laughs> no, lyrics. I am course. not down for taking children to bed. I, like, And I know, you know that's, that's not, not how he meant it, but all. I can't... I, I just... I, it's problematic for me. Okay, it's... <laughs> We can move on. Yeah, okay. It's, it's old. It's a 30-year-old song. It's that, that wasn't the intention. I know it wasn't the intention, and I've stated that, but you it's still an issue. It. I cannot get past it. We okay. don't talk about children as sexual objects. It's not fair. That's true. But yeah. we also still call our love interest baby and that kind of thing. That's fair. where this is coming from. Okay, fair. Okay. All right, so let's move past it since we decided we can't move past it. <laughs> Okay. All right. And then it was a single. Yes. And it the didn't only reach. Si- no, yeah. Uh, uh, it, it was a single before the album. No. Album second single. Sorry. It was the second <laughs> single from the album, but it didn't have a video to accompany it. No, it didn't. Um, and it did reach uh, number 34 on the R&B charts. I saw all kinds of references to where it where it fell on the black album chart. Uh-huh. I and like, I think that's not the... even sung by a black person. Well, and I thought that too. And I think that's maybe what Billboard called it is the R and B charts in the eighties. And now we would just refer to it as the R and B chart. Right. Back then it was the black chart, which I'm like, I don't even know how this is on the black chart. I mean, I, I guess I don't because either. Prince, Yes, but Prince wasn't, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, he was definitely hidden. But uh, yeah. basically, every instrument you hear on the song, aside from the saxophone, is Prince. Yeah. Period. Yeah. A lot of people think of this as really the Prince album that came between Around the World in a Day and Parade. Um, That's fair. So, speaking of which, you want to touch on Prince's vocal yes, guide I to this? Do. Nearly the entire album with Prince's vocals has been circulating among fans for quite a while. So, I think listeners to this show deserve to hear a little bit of that yeah. if you have not heard it. In fact, Prince introduces the song, calls out St. Paul, I and says, that was great. Uh, He'll take the high, St. Paul, you take the low. Uh-huh. And it's basically a duet. Very fun. I thought it was good. Prince can't help but to be funkier. Oh, he definitely is, I think, a better performer. I'm sorry. St. Paul's great, and yeah. he was very young at this time, and he's turned into an excellent producer and mm-hmm. instrumentalist himself. He's got an instrumental album with Eric Leeds. They formed a group called LP Music, Leeds oh, Peterson cool. Music. Cool. St. Paul Peterson. Paul Peterson is his full name. Um, so a very talented musician, but I mean, I'm sorry, you compare well, these vocals with what Prince was doing and um, you can't help but favor the Prince version. I right. Think. Well, and I was thinking about it too. I'm like, Prince gave him these lead vocals or sang with him and 
to do something different than Prince, you can't do it funkier than Prince. It's just not possible. So the only way to do it a little bit different and to give it your own spin on it is to be less funky. (laughs) He was smooth. I don't know that he wanted this role either. That'd be an interesting thing to ask him. I mean, he was brought in as a keyboardist for the time after some of the members shuffled around and he was kind of hazed by members of the time. Yeah. Morris Day kind of lost interest in it in the time because he felt like he didn't have control of his band. Yeah. And there was this, you know, falling out and... St. Paul's in the right place, right time, and kind of got nominated. You're going to do yeah. this. I hope he was excited about that. I'm sure he was excited, uh, maybe a little nervous. Yeah, that's fair. Yep. Fair. The second song on the album right. is Mutiny, yep. which high fashion just blends right into Mutiny. Yeah, very there. cool uh, segue there with just a kick drum that takes you right from the end of high fashion mm-hmm. into Mutiny. Right. Prince played this song so much throughout his career, a ton on the parade tour, but also in the last six or seven years also, uh, it came back to the forefront in rehearsals that he released officially, mm-hmm. played it at num- a number of concerts, so it sort of stuck around for a while. Right. Yeah. The first time that we got a recording, uh-huh. official release, sort of, with Prince's vocals, was the NPG Music Club edition number two. Right. Where he did it in a medley with Controversy. Yes. Yeah. I think that was from the parade tour also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he blended Controversy and Mutiny together quite a bit and would sing Controversy over Mutiny and would sing Mutiny over Controversy. Controversy. It was kind of one of those mashups that just worked really well. I thought this song is even, I think, an improvement over High Fashion. Yeah. Uh, first of all, you lose everything that concerned you over the first song. Uh, there's nothing there like that. You no. know, and there's a little bit of uh, play. The whole thing is, you know, he's lost his girlfriend, and so now there's mutiny. Um, and so yeah. he's taken over. He's taking back the ship. I love where uh, there's a little part where he says, Darling, with unity, no one, but no one could make us fall. Now there's mutiny. Maybe you should have called. Mutiny and Mute, unity, unity and mutiny. mutiny. <laughs> I thought it was a cool play on words yeah. that we both screwed up. <laughs> yes, I thought it was fun. Uh, and the very end of the song, you, this is where you can actually hear Prince on the album too, with him calling out Jesse and Jerome. Did you take or did you give? Yeah. Um, which is kind of fun. And that that's was from, really fun. From Prince's version at the end, where there's just kind of the saxophone solo at the end, and yeah. just some breakdown at the very end of the song. That's fun. He did uh, call out "Get Off" at the beginning. Yes, the song too. Uh-huh. And I, I throughout it, it. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of. I noticed it a lot at the beginning, and mm-hmm. it brought "Get Off" with two T's to mind a little bit, and made yeah. me realize that it really wasn't that long. Oh no! From before it's only six years later, that yeah, uh, yeah. In fact, there's a song "Get Off" G E T O F F that's <laughs> yeah on a, a single from album. it's on no? a single from uh, Graffiti Bridge. Oh, okay, we'll get to eventually. But yeah. yeah, the whole "Get Off" was more of just uh, you know a shout to you know like "Get Up" or yeah. "Let's Go" kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, but it still kind of reminded me that everything he says in a song is important. Uh-huh. Because yeah. it, it could lead, could be a part of something else, either Graffiti Bridge or yeah. the Get Off single that yeah. was later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, lots of lots of ideas in the stew. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the Prince version uh-huh. of Mutiny. Oh, we're gonna get to hear some of that, aren't we? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. I realize what a good job 
St. Paul did of following Prince's vocal guides. Yeah, he did a good job. I don't think he had a choice, though. No, I don't think he did either, but Mm -hmm. whether he had a choice or not, he did a good job. Yeah. Well, you even said you thought that his voice sounded like Prince at one point. Do you still feel that way after having listened to him? I do. I feel like he's he's got a similar tone in some places. Not everywhere, but... I think he did a good job of following the vocal guides. All right. And, you know, we got to hear a little bit of Deep Prince. Yes. Yeah, I Deep Voice. Yes. Deeper Voice Prince. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, lower so. register stuff. Yes. All right, and then we have The Screams of Passion. Yes. This was the first single that first came single out now. before the release. It was originally credited to St. Paul Peterson and uh, Susanna. Right. And we have the album track, we have Prince's vocals, and we have a video. Yes. In as much as it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't give away our feelings about it already. Uh, it I, was recorded one year to the day before the release of the album. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah, it's cool. Um, I thought this was kind of the prettiest lyrics so far on mm-hmm. the album about, you know, uh, there's an autumn breeze that's blowing whenever we're together and a bird is singing. Uh huh. Yeah, I liked. Oh, oh, Robin sings a masterpiece that lives in you know, kind of relating that to the sounds of a person's lovemaking or people's lovemaking, not one person probably alone, mm-hmm. but yeah. people together that it's a masterpiece in and of itself that this joy that's lost and goes unheard by anybody. Right. It's a tree falling in the forest. Yeah. You know, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It's, it makes a sound, but it doesn't, not a lasting one. Right. And it's beautiful even if no one sees it or perceives it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really like the song. I like the orchestral arrangements that are added to it yes. for the album version. Prince's version was recorded before that those orchestral arrangements were added, so it's a unique difference to kind of hear his version, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I missed it a little in Prince's version. Oh, did you? I did. I really liked the strings. I thought they were really uh, beautiful. In Prince's version, there's this kind of swirling guitar sound in the background that kind of replaces the orchestral part. Yeah. It's kind of his fill before yeah. Claire Fisher did his work. And then <laughs> there's um, some lyrics. The lyric sheet itself says, Leaves are fallen, velvet splash. Uh-huh. And Prince's version's different. Uh-huh. It is not velvet splash. It is vulva splash. <laughs> Very distinctly. You could argue that that's what St. Paul Oh, is singing? But it's kind of But hidden. it's a muffled a little bit. It could go either way. But in Prince's version, there is no. There's no no. There is uh, no doubt. It. Yeah, no, none at all. Yeah, this was definitely a time when um, we're getting into the time period of Dwayne Tudal's book, yes. the Purple Rain recording sessions, and his engineer Susan Rogers says in the book that he was really trying to make up for his dirty side with beautiful songs. That he was a man full of conflict, and this is just how. He dealt with that by dirty lyrics and then very, very sweet songs and Mm -hmm. beautiful musical arrangements. Mm -hmm. Um, I think maybe you can start to hear that at this point. For sure. Mm -hmm. There was also an extended version of this song, too. We don't need to get into it very much, but it's got kind of an extended beginning. Not much in the way of of additional lyrics, that kind of thing, but there was a 12-inch version of the family's 
version of the song released also. Yeah. And then the Screams of Passion being the first single. Yes. Had a video. Yes, they felt the need to make this. I don't know why. I don't know why either. Maybe to, I mean, I'm sure it was a, let's get some promotion out. We need a video. Man, is it bad. <laughs> it's a really, really not good. The Okay, here's what I did like about it. Okay. Was that Susanna was in a bed reading uh-huh. a Time Life book, which is so 1980s because <laughs> you couldn't throw a rock or turn on your television without hitting a Time, time life, life book or right. seeing an advertisement for a Time Life book. Yeah. They were everywhere. Yeah. So, so the whole that thing, was funny. if you haven't seen it, it's like shot on green screen. The band is in a green screen environment and they're superimposed over waves at the beach crashing essentially and it is not well done it is cheap they do some really ridiculous dancing like they're pretending to play their instruments but doing this like choreographed in time dancing everybody's doing it they grab their heads and turn in a circle at one point it's like the hokey pokey on the beach Um, it's like the the hokey pokey about passion (laughs) The uh, f- other f- fun or, I guess, funny thing about the video is Eric Leeds is <laughs> yes. in it. Uh, there's no saxophone in the song, and he was the only person besides St. Paul and Susanna in this video who made any real contributions to this album. <laughs> so he's in the video. There's not a saxophone in the song, so he's playing a bass guitar in the background. Uh, which uh, he which does not play. He doesn't play. Yeah. yeah. And then we have an instrumental song called... Yes. Yes, we do. Originally named Lisa. Right. Uh, So this is the first of two instrumentals on this album, which is really, I think, kind of a prelude to what you will hear uh, a couple years later in the forming of Prince's kind of jazz fusion fusion band called Madhouse that was really him and Eric Leeds also. I um, also wanted to point out that this is the first time on a Prince or Associated Artist album in Prince's career that there was an instrumental on an album. Okay. This is the first instance of it. Okay. Excellent. Uh, On his own album, he would do it in 1986 on the Parade album. Um, There's an instrumental track, but... This is the first one uh, on any on his own or any associated artist's album. Excellent. I think that the no! chants uh-huh. in the back are Prince. Okay. I can't confirm that, <laughs> uh-huh. but I'm going to say yeah, that's him. That would say probably fair. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how to talk really on a podcast about an instrumental song. That's a real challenge if, if you're not a student of music. And yeah, and we I'm aren't not. really no. technically mm-hmm. students of music. I just categorize this as the more aggressive of the two instrumentals. Sure, fair. It was the B-side to the Screams of Passion. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There we go. Yes. Yes. Was yes. <laughs> it was. Uh, okay. but I, I enjoy listening to this. Yeah. I, I, this is one of the songs on the album that I revisit a lot. I made a playlist oh. of 100% instrumental Prince oh, music fine. that I kind of sh- sometimes uh-huh. shuffle through and made sure this is included and uh, nice. I love it when it comes up. Very cool. Yeah, so Prince's version of this is really what you hear on yeah. the album. Because yeah, it's no not players. really the family's version. It's Prince's version because it's him. Prince. And Eric Leeds. And Eric Leeds. Yep. All right, and then we have the only song on the album not written by Prince. Yes. Which is River Run Dry. Uh-huh. Written, written by, by Bobby Z. Yeah. Good job, dude. Yeah. I really, like this song. I think it's really well written. Yeah. Um, well written enough that Bobby Z has his own version on his own, oh, uh, his own self-titled album. album nice. Um, which I have a copy of on CD. 
I can't, I don't even remember where I found it, but um, yeah, his version of it with nice. his his vocals are nice. there too. And I think you've had it pre-internet. Oh yeah, way, yes. way pre-internet. <laughs> yes, long before Al Gore came along and hooked us all up. <laughs> so Prince didn't write the song, but still he plays all the instruments, the instruments. on the track, right. which is really cool. And this yeah. is the one that is the first track that Prince sent to Claire Fisher for orchestration. <gasps> Which is interesting that he would send something written by somebody else Mm -hmm. to be the first thing. Maybe that was why he was comfortable with it. It wasn't somebody messing with his work. Well, maybe. You know, I mean, he played on it, but it wasn't his creation. Fair. And so more collaboration on it didn't bother him him so much. But he ended up loving it and did so much more of it throughout this album. Really holds it together. Why wouldn't he love it? Because it's really great. Claire Fisher's contribution. Yeah, very, very String orchestrations. Very, very nice. Yeah, it it is what... The the contributions of Claire Fisher and Eric Leeds are what makes this album unique and holds it all together to Mm me. Yeah, but a really pretty well-written song and this is... Yeah, um, my favorite phrase from it was, Our Love Affair I thought would be six forevers and a week. I thought that <laughs> yes, was nice. I'm that was, like, oh, six forevers and a week. Uh-huh. Not just forever, but six forevers. Yeah, that's some very 1980s it is, language. It is, but it was nice. Yeah. I liked it. Me too. Uh, it had a really heavy, relentless beat, and I think it was just the right length. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and it made sense that it, you know, it starts off with a downbeat of our kick drum, um, and like you said, driven by drums, which makes sense because Bobby right. Z was Bobby Z a, a drummer. drummer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we, Bobby Z also not part of the family. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, not. Hmm. So interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. There's a big okay. loop of people who sort of overlap one another. And of course, Prince is the glue that holds it all together. Yeah. He packages it up in this branded thing called the family, which was a little bit of a front. To a degree. Mm -hmm. But it all worked really well. All right. Then we have Nothing Compares to You, which everyone has heard, I'm sure, because it started out on this family album. Yep. It was written by Prince. Of course. got covered by Sinead O'Connor in the early 90s. And that's when it really became a song that everybody knew and became famous. Yes. Yeah. And it was a time when Sinead O'Connor covered it that Prince's popularity was kind of falling. And so... Like it or not, it kind of lifted him back up into the public eye. Right. Oh, wow, Prince wrote this song for Sinead yeah. O'Connor? No. No, not really. He actually really. wrote it for himself and recorded it <laughs> and gave it to someone else. And somehow Sinead O'Connor found it and <laughs> right. uh, got permission to cover it. This was the only song that Prince took credit for. Four from uh-huh. the get-go. Yeah, I think it was clear he knew something about the song was special. Yeah. And um, so held on to the credit for it. And I think he was right. Yes. Yeah. So the family's version is uh, a little to a degree like Sinead O'Connor's version where it is stripped down. There's no drums in it whatsoever. It's an orchestral background. Right. And Eric leads on saxophone and uh, the vocals. Right. And that's the entire song. Yeah. Very, very pretty, I thought. Yeah. And I really thought kind of a bold move for a somewhat inexperienced vocalist like St. Paul to sing a song without accompaniment, essentially, on this album. Yes. Um, And it was so radically different from Prince's own recording, too. They took some chances with it that I thought I'd give them an A plus for effort and execution in this one. A lot of originality for a song they didn't It's a great song from the get-go. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. This was not inspired by a love interest, as one might think. Yeah, tell the story. <laughs> Sandy 
Sandy Scipioni uh-huh. was the personal assistant for Prince, his yeah. personal assistant and housekeeper. And her father died, had a yes. heart attack, and she left to go be with her family. Yeah, this and, was like in 1983. Uh-huh, and mm-hmm. he was missing her. Yes. And that's what the inspiration for this song. I love that story. That I love just, it too. She's I just, just like a normal person wearing jeans, doing personal errands for Prince, yeah, taking care of his like stuff. cleaning his bathroom and uh-huh. doing his, oh, Prince wants gummy bears from the store. You yep. know, she goes and gets his gummy bears or whatever. Yes. And how sweet for him to even know who it was that was doing. Of course, she had to be vetted and he had to be comfortable right. with her being in his own home. But he knew her name. He knew uh, what she did for him. And after she disappeared, it wasn't a, oh, this isn't important enough for you to leave. Of course, I'm sure he understood what was going yeah. on. But to write a song about all these things that you did for me and uh-huh. uh, when are you coming back? Yeah. I really <laughs> need you. The flowers die. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's not bl- watering them. No. no. <laughs> and nobody else thought to either. Nope. And I think, you know, I thought it was really sweet. Like that he started noticing all these things that she did for him that he probably never noticed before. He didn't know. Yeah. He just, the flowers were there and they grew and they were pretty in the backyard. And oh. Wait, why did the flowers die? Oh, it's because Sandy's gone. Yeah, or this thing, like, who moved my cheese? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a little bit of that, but a really sweet, sweet song and tribute to her. It definitely comes off as a song about someone who's lost their loved one. Right. Romantic interest, anyway. Right. So, Prince's version was officially released by the estate on his birthday this year, 2018. Had a single release. You could get it on vinyl or digital download. So it was great to hear his version that it was essentially just him and Eric Leeds performing. So cool. You know, there's things that I've read, like reviews I read when I was growing up about Prince albums not associated with anything we're talking about today. But it reminded me of this. There was a review in Rolling Stone of Graffiti Bridge Mm -hmm. in 1990. And the writer said something to the degree of on this album rock's greatest actor comes off as desperately real and that kind of stuck with me and this song and his performance of the song really made me feel that way desperately real and i would say yeah one of rock's greatest actors and he comes off as as truly earnest in the song yeah, well, and he could be truly earnest because he was yeah. giving it to somebody else. Yeah. So, um, and nice. they, they put together a video for the song that you can yeah, see on the official. Rehearsal footage from the summer of 1984. Yeah. So, at the at flying cloud at the space. warehouse. Yes. Yeah. When I first saw that they were releasing this song, recorded well, that was recorded well in advance of Purple Rain and these rehearsals, I thought, well, what is the connection? Why pair? The video shot on a VHS tape of these rehearsal sessions for the Purple Rain tour. Why pair them with a song like this? But I have to admit, seeing them together, oh, it was just a well, really emotional. Cares. Tr- yeah, yeah, it really showed him. It made me sad to agree, of course, because I don't think he, Prince would have ever released anything like that. And also a little sad because we're seeing a song that he chose not to release of his own, paired with video of him. You know, super comfortable with his friends and the people he was closest to fully thinking in his mind that this is all private stuff. No one would ever see it. And that saddens me to a degree, but then seeing him so happy also, um, you know, under his own voice 
it was uplifting. I don't know, just very, um, it was touching. I thought yeah. it was really touching and kind of almost uh, turned into a tribute to his creative life. And Fair. at the height of his popularity, or really like on the eve of his popularity, with all this hard work that he was putting in and his band members as well, and how right. he put his body through so much. You see this guy performing in a warehouse and he's. In heels and some fairly fancy outfits for rehearsal. Oh, yeah. He's dressed to the nines. Well, and and he looked fantastic and comfortable, and it made me really wonder how much rehearsal time he was spending not with the band. He had to have done more on his own. He had to have. I mean, he was doing splits, and you don't just like push the mic stand away and catch it at the exact right moment to pull it back without a lot of practice. and. You know, he didn't drop the mic in rehearsals. No, no. There weren't mistakes even then. No, Um, because he was so well rehearsed. And it really made me wonder, like, the guy can't have slept very much. I mean, I know it's well documented, but even it was just a reminder that, you know, he can't have slept very much because his brain was too busy doing stuff or his body was too busy practicing to be Mm -hmm. ready for rehearsal. Yeah. Which I yeah. thought was great. Yeah. So definitely evokes for me a lot of sadness, but, you know, gratefulness to see this footage. Um, yeah. So I think this is one of the moves that the estate has made since his passing that I thought was really, really successful. Yeah. Uh, a nice single, although I would have loved to have seen that accompanied by an album of studio material that we know is out there from this period of time. But right. we're, we're going to have to wait. Yeah, we will. We'll wait. And then we have our second instrumental song yeah Susanna's Pajamas uh-huh. originally named Maserati right. that was going to be for the band's album Maserati right. yes Brown Mark's band right and mm-hmm. then it was called BMW and right. then it was called Susanna's Clothes yes before it finally got its final title of Susanna's Pajamas. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) It was the B-side to high fashion. Yes, it was. Of the two, I have this kind of labeled as the lighthearted instrumental (laughs) of the two. Fair. Um, And it really sounds like the kind of music score that you hear throughout Under the Cherry Moon. Yeah. I could see this underneath some scenes in Under, Under the Cherry Moon. This was kind of a little peeling back of the curtain of what was to come as far as musical direction it sounds very very colorful to me like the entire parade album does despite all of that being in black and white the uh, album itself and right. the film being shot in black and white or converted to black and white yep uh, very very colorful instrumental fun little breakdown parts with keyboards and guitars mm-hmm. and eric leeds plays a big part on this um as a saxophone you know the few the the few music classes I took, uh-huh. uh, you know, growing up and in college where, um, music professors and teachers will say, tell you that, well, the saxophone is the instrument that's the most like the human voice. Mm-hmm. So I almost think of these two instrumentals as being sung by Eric Leeds. That's fair. Give him credit for that. Totally fair. Yep. Another instrumental that I like, I don't know what there is again to say much about it other than it's a fun listen. It's a reasonable length. It's almost like an interlude in this kind of dramatic 1980s, uh, 20-something-year-old, you know, cry for passion and high fashion. It's mutiny. And And desire, desire, which is the next song. And rivers run dry. (laughs) (laughs) So, 
Yes, an overly dramatic album, but um, the instrumentals, you listen to them and you're like, oh, there's some really great musicianship going on. It just yeah. happens to not really be played by the members of this band. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. And then we have Desire. Yes. Which is next. Here we uh, come was, to the dramatic peak. Yeah, the <laughs> very fair. Yeah. There's like an echo on uh-huh. the voices of St. Paul and Susanna. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, like I'm, it was very 1980s, but it was so long have we known each other. interesting. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. this was like Prince's opportunity to try different techniques, and it was sort of risk-free. He had right. these songs laying around to re-record them and play around with them a little bit. I'm sure was something that was like a hobby to him. Yeah. Um, also thought, you know, the shakers or the maracas at the beginning yeah. of the song give it a nice feel. Yep. And definitely the orchestral arrangements give it that dramatic kind of feel and touch. <laughs> Where, you know, desire, it covers our faces. It happens in mysterious places. Ecstasy is ours. Yeah. Again, singing above their experience <laughs> level, I guess you could say. <laughs> well, we don't know song. what their experience level was. Well, this comes off as a very seasoned person <laughs> who, who's speaking, you know, okay. from... Years of experience. Yes, yeah. yes. And I'm not quite sure that there was anyone like that <laughs> in this band. So I would like to hear your thoughts on a bit of lyrics in particular. You're saving your love for some soldier. Uh-huh. Who'd much rather die than stay at your side. And I don't know how to feel about that because, you know, mm-hmm. we live in military city. Yes. I don't think that he'd rather die than be at her side, but is this just a ploy to like, to uh, you should be with me because he's not here? Yes. Okay. I think it's pointing out you're wanting something that from someone who's not going to give it to you. And that's where, you know, the song's title comes from, Desire. Yeah. You're left in this longing state because you're after someone who's focused on something else. Uh-huh. I don't know that it had a military oh, meaning okay. at the time. I thought that it was just a, look, lady, you're uh-huh. after this man whose focus is elsewhere. Swear. It's uh, time to move past that. Okay. And I'm here. here. <laughs> <laughs> Love the one you're with. That's right. So that's my <laughs> Which take Which evidently on it. they did because your body, it covers my tower, was saying many, many times. Oh, yes. yes. And I think you so. can read into what that does mean. <laughs> they have a connection of a physical nature. It's <laughs> yeah, pretty explicit for yes. not being explicit. Yeah. So I thought the way this is one of the songs. Well, I mean, I think St. Paul's did a great job on the South. I don't want to come off as that. I thought he was just an, a prince imitator. He was told to do that from what you read and was not particularly happy about it and has proven himself that he's a, a great musician and artist in his own right. But I thought on this song in particular, along with Nothing Compares to You, I thought his vocals were great. Really um, very stellar. However, when you listen to Prince's version, I much prefer it. Well, and I do too. And part of that is just the arrangement's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. It starts off a little bit different. It doesn't have the fade and then the ocean sounds. Yeah. And then the instrumental reprise that right. the family's version has at the end. It like uh-huh. it, it just it yeah, ends. It's a, it's, it doesn't It's a full song out. without yes. kind of the pop life treatment to your desire <laughs> yes. where you're interrupted by... Hey, man, I'm listening to this song. What's going on? Now <laughs> yeah. I'm at the ocean. <laughs> Which I like the ocean. I like we the love ocean the beach. Too. I don't need the beach in the middle of my song. Yeah, again, I think you know Prince had a, 
a habit of coming back and using water and his music for various reasons and second life and baptism and yeah love making and that kind of stuff all related back to the ocean yeah so here it is the motion of the ocean the motion <laughs> of the ocean <laughs> okay yeah those are also prince lyrics by the way he sang that in a song oh i'll find it for you oh fun okay Please do. So, The Family. The Family. I, I mean, there again, we go. very unique album in the Prince catalog. I think even in his own versions of these songs are very unique to his own catalog. They don't sound like the kind of thing you'd expect from Prince after Purple Rain. Right. And we were listening to a, another podcast earlier today where Prince was making a conscious effort to say, Purple Rain was so successful, I'm going to be damned by it. I'll never top it no matter what I do I could tour with this music and make all kinds of money uh, over the next year or two or I could start exploring and use the success to uh, become the artist that I want to be and that's, right. that's this was the first step in that journey it was on a pop a pop culture podcast uh-huh. it was episode number 26 with Dwayne Tudal right um, who's the it, author it, of it, Purple Rain uh, the Purple Rain's behind the music the Purple Rain Sessions right, right. yes he wrote that uh book and was at this on this podcast as part of the promotion for that and Mm -hmm. i was just gonna say that's one of the things that he pointed out was that a lot of artists will make a song and Mm -hmm. it gets them famous and they basically for the rest of their career Mm -hmm. for right or wrong and it can totally work for them they basically remake that song in different ways and prince that's why he's so stellar. That's why he has the huge catalog that he has and why his popularity waxed and waned so mm-hmm. many times was because he did different things. Yes. He didn't have one song. He didn't remake Purple Rain. Yeah. He intentionally didn't remake Purple Rain. He wanted to do something different. And that, I mean, that's, that's why we're fans. That's right. Well, that's why we're doing a podcast about it. Otherwise, we'd be talking about the same thing over the course of <laughs> the next 30 years, and we're not going to do that. No, we're not. We're not. All right. So let's move on to uh, Sheila E. Oh, in Romance 1600. Yes. Uh, this was the second album after Around the World in a Day that was released on Prince's Paisley Park label. Yes. So it's got the great distinction of being the first album that wasn't Prince's on his own label. Yeah. Uh, released on August 26, 1985. Um, was it, most... I'm sorry? Oh, it was the second album that uh, Sheila E. and Prince worked on together. Yes. Her it, follow-up to The Glamorous Life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was an awesome album also. We'll get to it on another podcast. So this was mostly recorded in three different sessions during breaks from the Purple Rain tour. Good grief. Breaks. He didn't take a break. No, the bra- there, was there, a were, break there was a was break from the tour, and it gave him a chance to, to visit different studios and work on other things that were in his mind. Um, so between December of 84 and February of 1985, when this album was recorded, and I, again... Prince is given credit on A Love Bazaar, but all the tracks, save for one, were written, produced, and arranged by him, and he mm-hmm. largely performs on the album also. Yeah. Outside of Sheila E. on drums and percussion and Eddie M. on the saxophone. Um, so the album's first song was also the first single from the album, yep. Sister Fate. Yes. Starts off with an almost comedic, cartoony intro. Yeah. It is 
fast. Super fast. Almost sounds Holy sped smokes. up, but I don't think that it was. Frantic. Yes. Frantic. I think just like an immediate demonstration of how tight this performance was going to be. Yep. And by the way, Sheila E is good at drums. Sheila E. We don't e want you to forget flat that. Out play the drums. Yes. <laughs> yes. To this day. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. Uh, so this is fun, I think, of it kind of starts of the lyrics start off with, you know, being concerned over a rumor going around that she and some other man are together. Yeah, but and they're not true yet. Yeah, but I kind of would like them to be, so let's leave it up to Fate, who's a woman. Yeah. Yeah. My sister, Fate. Yeah, yeah she's the only thing that could stand between you and me, so uh-huh. she says. So we're, there's a nasty rumor going around that I want to come true so badly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> This song made me realize how many ridiculous billboard charts there are. Oh, jeez. <laughs> because yeah. it reached number eight on the Bubbling Under Hot 100 singles, 26 on the Hot Dance Music Slash Maxi Singles sales, and the 36 on the only one that might actually matter, which was the R&B singles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's just silly. <laughs> it is Who silly. needs the bubbling under Hot 100 singles? What? I don't, is that like the second 200 of the top 200? I don't know. It sounds like a gastrointestinal is. issue. <laughs> that does a chart. Bubbling under, we need to get you some Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this album, to me, kind of continues the overall feeling I get from revisiting the family. Again, very dramatic, kind of this faux French renaissance dramatic kind of thing Mm -hmm. um, that's fun to revisit. I can see how it was, you know, the lay of the land in 1985. Yep. So speaking of renaissance, we have Dear Michelangelo is the second song on the album. It was B-side for Bedtime Story, which is the final song on the album and another single. Yeah, that, that was the second single Yeah, um, before the album came out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so the, w- this is a fantasy of being in love with a true artist, Yeah, I guess was my, well, I'm going to give you a little credit and I'm going to sum it up this way. <laughs> yeah. Kind of statement. Yeah, uh, that revered the artist because... Yeah. You know, people are drawn to people with a remarkable talent. Yes, and she can also, see herself with him by looking at his artwork. Or, yes, but also if she had been with him, he could have made her immortal. Yeah. I think that that's yeah. I think that's more yeah. of the thing. Or, is It's not so much really Michelangelo. Right. It's about being in love with an artist who can surprise you mm-hmm. and give you this excitement that you are lacking in your own life. And this person has, oh, by the way, the opportunity to make you immortal. Yeah. He can paint you. He can sing about you. He can whatever. Right. Whatever their artistic medium is. I think that's a great summation. Yeah. Uh, so interesting concept. I didn't dislike the song. It's a little repetitive. Yeah. And I didn't like the way she said Michelangelo. She didn't uh, say yes. Michelangelo. She yeah. said Yes, and then, you know, it kind of worked in Angel in the song also. There's a a Prince vocal version of this song that uh, surfaced recently too, so it kind of gave a lot of credence to me. Like, I started to believe, oh, Prince was more involved with this album than he was given credit for, Uh and of course we know now that he was involved with every track except for one. Right. This one, clearly written and sung by him, but Uh probably meant specifically for for, Sheila E. to to sing. Mm -hmm. That's fair. 
Yep. All right, and then probably the most famous song off of this album, A Love Bazaar. Oh, this yeah. It's the one that is... got the most radio play. It reached number two on the R&B charts, mm-hmm. number 11 on the top, the Hot 100 and the pop radio billboard charts. Yeah, definitely. It was all over the radio at, yeah. in 1985. I would say this is Sheila E.'s most well-known song, um, probably right. by a long shot. Right. Yeah, so this is a, the extended or full version of the song appears on the album. Obviously, the single version was edited down quite right. a bit from right. this song that's over 12 minutes long this reminds me a little bit of america like the 12 inch version yeah. of america yeah it's long but i never get tired yeah, of listening to it, it either. it's it great good. um use of eddie m on the saxophone yep And Sheila E. and Prince's voice kind of really work like peanut butter and jelly, I think you could say. Mm-hmm. You can very clearly hear Prince on this. Oh, yeah. This is, com- yeah, there's no no hiding the fact that he's involved. Well, and this was the only song on the album where he, again, took a co-writing credit from the beginning. Yeah. Like, the liner notes are... Very clear, Pretty clear that mm-hmm. this is a Prince thing. Yeah, I love the notion of a love bazaar being like a strange love or um, a place where you can find all kinds of interesting wares. parts of love. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was strange or a marketplace. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. It That's, is both. Yes. Yep. Did you catch that just like in Sheila E's remix of Pop Life, in the middle of this song we had Farrah Jacques Yes, also. I did. It was the version of Pop Life that we had it on was the Sheila E. Remix. The Sheila E. Remix. Yes. It was the Fresh Dance Mix. Yep. So, and yes. it's played here on, well, on the Pop Life Remix, it was a la-la-la vocal yes. kind of thing. And this in was this song, playlist. it was a bass guitar yeah. that, that plays it uh, in the middle of this very long Yes. Song. So lots of fun. I love this song. Yeah. It was good. And then we have Toy Box. Box. Which mm-hmm. was the B-side to Holly Rock, uh-huh. which we'll get to in a little while, which was from a movie. Yes. Crush, Crush Groove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was bouncy and fun sounding and a little bit incestuous. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Yes. Because it's not a box for toys that sh- they're talking about. It's some anatomy it is yeah i think she <laughs> makes connections or prince makes connections to a toy box maybe uh-huh. also yeah well the brother cries because he doesn't have one that's right mm-hmm. you know and then yeah. towards the end it gets turned into something more straightforward maybe her jewel box also uh-huh. as she starts turning into the Sheila E version of Jamie Starr and uh-huh. screaming at people to bring her jewels and her furs and sit. Awesome. Yeah. I loved it. The riff, uh-huh. the riffing of all that. I need my furs. I can't go to the club without my, oh, oh come on. Oh, yeah. Lord. She can't oh, even get man. through her. It was so funny. Yeah. But she's so funky she can't sleep with herself, as Prince would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a little bit like Sister from Dirty Mind, but Yeah, probably it was a little fun. more lighthearted. Than yeah, that. a little more like fun. Yes. Like at least fun sounding. Fun sounding, right. <laughs> 
And then we roll into the song Yellow. Yes. Boy, this, the color yellow came up a ton during this time period and in Prince's career in general it did. But here again, there's no hiding that Prince has a presence on here. It is no. a duet. And it is. I'm hoping that you enjoyed Prince's baritone. On- Yes, I did. And I thought it had a really fun 60s sound to it. Mm -hmm. And I like how they shared the lyrics where it was definitely meant to be like her inner thoughts. Yeah, but he can sing right along with it. Yeah, he just sang right along with it. Mm -hmm. Like talking about the younger sister who had a, a... bigger bosom and you know obviously it was sung obviously by a man but obviously meant to be something that she was thinking Mm -hmm. yeah i thought this was a really successful duet and kind of a hidden gem on this relatively short album too but um, also a hidden gem in prince's career too if you're looking for you know songs where he's clearly a vocalist this is Mm -hmm. this is one yeah Mm -hmm. then we have the title track right romance Romance. (laughs) 1600 Here it is. Man, thought, it had a big 80s sound to it. It did. Very unique drums and almost an off-tempo, clangy sound in the background, mm, okay. too. That yeah. is sort of on-tempo, but just unique, which was kind of a hallmark of this entire album, too. And Sheila's specialty of bringing a new type of drum sound to right. Prince's work. And I think that's mainly what this was, was mm-hmm. like, hey, by the way... Sheila can play the drums. That's right. Let her go. There's a lot of her percussion, that kind yeah. of thing. I thought, again, this had a very poppy French faux renaissance kind of feel to it, but it's kind of a party song, too. Let's dance until mm-hmm. we see the sun. Kind fun of. for everyone. Yeah. 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 Everybody come like, along. That's nah, fun. fun. It, yeah. It's fun. Yeah. I'm a little surprised it's the title track, but sure, Me too. Fun. I was. I think it, it didn't just feel went, like it wasn't the strongest song right. on the album. I almost feel like it felt... Like it fit the persona of the first Sheila E. album, or was Sheila E. in The Glamorous Life? And this mm-hmm. needed to be Sheila E. in Romance 1600. Uh, fair. I almost thought it could have been Sheila E. in A Love Bazaar. Yeah. Could have been a better title track. But yeah. Well, and Love Bazaar was definitely the one that did the best. Yep. It was the most recognizable song. Mm-hmm. So that song ends, and we get kind of a carnival interlude. For the one instrumental song on the album that uh, had no Prince input on it, it's listed as Sheely and the band recorded this after the basic tracks for this album were completed. The song's called Mercy for the Speed of a Mad Clown in Summer. Not Mercy. Merci. Merci. Well, I read it as a kid reading it. That's how I always (laughs) think that was Mercy that had a unique spelling. Yes, it's a French fitting into the whole French uh, renaissance kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was, uh, you know, fun to hear Sheila E. playing mm-hmm. beautifully. I was listening to it in the car with our son, uh-huh. picking up our daughter one day from school, and the saxophone got all squeaky and weird, yeah. and he kind of looks at me askance, and I'm like... Would your band director have let anybody play like that? He said... Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no, it's just about, you know, using the instrument in a unique way. And it definitely has a, it fits into this album somehow. It does yeah. sound like it belongs to me. It's all, it wasn't it's, my favorite bit. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't have to be your favorite to sound like it belongs. Right. But it's in the same kind of overall, you know, if you're Fair. theming songs, this sort of fits okay. into it somehow. If you say so, Josh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. 
Then we have the final song on the album, Bedtime Story, which was also a single, which yeah. we mentioned before. Right. Um, it kind of felt one note to me a little bit. Oh. I mean, I thought uh, Sheila's vocals were great, but... The song itself didn't yeah, do much for it you. It just didn't do much for me. I had the same note that I thought this was a really strong vocal performance mm-hmm. by Sheila E. She sounds great, and the drums on this song in particular are backwards throughout the entire song. Oh, I didn't which know Which I that. thought was really cool. Oh, I didn't so know that. So you need to go back and revisit oh. this one if you didn't hear that. Okay. We can hear a little bit of it here, maybe. Um, but yeah, the entire basic drums for the entire song are recorded and then played backwards and she sings over them so a little just kind of a cool unique approach to a ballad Mm -hmm. it's the only ballad on the whole album um so i mean you go through this frantic pace thing well you the it's a very fast paced album i mean I, i think a lot of times i listen to prince music and i almost sometimes feel like some songs were a little bit faster. And here on this album, I almost feel like, holy moly, they're just, it is up-tempo through the whole thing. So to go on this ride and then land at the very last song and finally get a ballad is kind of a relief in a way. Oh, you wanted a break. Yeah, yeah. I could That's have used fair. this song earlier in the album even. Mm, okay. um, but yeah, so while we're on the Sheila E. track, we need to look at Holly Rock. Sure. Um so this was a single of Sheila's, one of the, I think the only single that was released of hers that wasn't part of an album of hers, because it was a single song that ended up on the soundtrack to Crush Groove. Mm-hmm. Yes. Kind of a Latin pop rap. Sheila E was the thing. love interest. Yes. Yes. It really reminded me of uh, your very atypical 1980s rap music where uh, <laughs> Blanky Blank's my name and Blanky Blank's my game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on, but it's very fun. I think yeah. it's very fun to listen to. Um, and again, Prince plays most instruments uncredited on this, but really, in the, I think. You could just boil this down to kind of a party dance song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fine. We'll discuss Feline in mm-hmm. a little bit. Okay. But um, I guess some of that made it into the song. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, some of the lyrics from Feline and mm-hmm. some of the lyrical approach to the rap yeah. is, appears in, other, in this yeah. other song. Prince would play the song a lot on the parade tour the next year also. Okay. And Holly Rock was a term that was part of the... Dream Factory album that kind of morphed into Sign of the Times a couple years later. So again, this this little nugget of a term that he created that was played out through a lot of his music for a couple years to come. Right. Super fun. There was a video of this, which is basically lifted right out of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, kind of a live performance video. Yes. And it had some more of the, like, in-sync Dancing, kind of mm-hmm. like the screams of passion did, but it was really successful here yeah, because much, they actually look like they're playing their instruments. <laughs> yes, much better execution and not being on a green screen probably yeah, helped too. Yeah, and it very looks super super eighties from <laughs> Sheila E. The way she's dressed with her ruffles and her hair is kind yeah. of big and short. Yeah. really cool for yeah. the mid eighties. Yeah, and she the goes, audience all is they're all super eighties out. Yeah, so it was the height of eighties fashion. Man, yeah. it's all right there. And Sheila E. just looks like she's having so much fun. Yeah, yeah, she does so, doing her thing. It was good on the drums. Yeah. And percussion. Yep. 
And then we have the Dance Electric. You told us a little bit of the story the last time. That's right. Uh, so this was a song actually Prince recorded with the Revolution, pre-Purple Rain. In fact, his version, their version showed up on the Purple Rain uh, Deluxe package that was released 2017. Uh, had not been released in any shape or form by Prince. Andre Simone was in Prince's band, left to do his own thing, and Actually, Andre's mom, who had cared for Prince growing up, asked Prince to give Andre a song for his new album. And he agreed, gave him the the Dance Electric, and essentially what you hear on Andre's album, the title of the album is A.C., Mm-hmm. Um, this was released as a single on July 16th, 1985. So, man, 1985 was just saturated with Prince music. For sure. It's basically Prince and the Revolution's version of the song, all the instruments with Andre redoing vocals on right. top of it. And I thought he did a good job. The Dance Electric is this kind of apocalyptic, do your own thing, believe what you believe, find yourself because mm-hmm. the is, end times is coming. It's really biblical, yeah. man. Yeah. A lot of the love your enemies, there mm-hmm. isn't much time. Yeah, it's almost time to go. Hear our master call. This isn't what he wanted us to be. You're living in Babylon. Man, right. lots of biblical stuff all over this. Yep, but all on top of a really funky, yeah. repetitive kind of beat. Right. I love Prince's version. Yeah. Unfortunately, the version that was released on Purple Rain Deluxe doesn't include all the guitar work that Prince went back and added oh. that's part of Andre's Great version. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a bare bones version of the song, which okay. is unfortunate. Prince would play this song a lot throughout his career, too. He actually played it live on Jimmy Kimmel mm. um, on, in October of 2012. Okay. Um, just made a one off appearance and really had nothing to promote at the time but went on Jimmy Kimmel and played the song. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Cool. Then we have the video. So the song, very fun. Yeah. Uh, acceptable. <laughs> acceptable. <laughs> There's <laughs> I you know, not really a lot to complain about. It's yeah, enjoyable. Yeah, it's enjoyable. Yeah, it is a little one note, I think by design, yes, so fair. it's just this kind of repetitive yeah. beat. Then we have the video. Which what the hell? I, I, it was some sort of like Victorian uh-huh. pe- people dressed up and like, I don't know, like letting in slave dancers uh-huh. or something. Yes. I don't know. They had a very specific story they were trying to tell. And as an audience, it was really hard for us to tell what kind of specific story they were the, trying to tell. Like, it didn't make a lot of sense. It was like... Eyes Wide Shut meets Andre Simone. <laughs> the apocalypse is coming to the club. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know, man. It was... If you feel like you need to see it, we'll put a link to it <laughs> on social media. You but glance at it. Oh, man. Okay. Um, then we have Manic Monday. Right. Which the story goes that Susanna Hoffs met Prince on a flight to London mm-hmm. and asked him to contribute a song or some music yeah. to their upcoming album. And he offered them Manic Monday yeah. and Jealous Girl, uh-huh. which they rejected. Which right. I'm thinking, Why? maybe not a good choice. And I love the Bengals. 
(laughs) I love the Bengals. Maybe still, you know, don't reject a Prince song. Maybe it was just the the lack of a fit. Maybe they that was the reason. Not that um, they didn't want to accept something from Prince, but they had a vision for this particular album, and that song didn't didn't fit. Right. He's credited as Christopher. Uh huh. Uh, Christopher Tracy from Under the Cherry Moon is where that name came from. It was the first single off their album, A Different Light. Mm -hmm. They, in the liner notes, they say special thanks to P.R.N. So I'm certain that's a... Prince Rogers Nelson. Yes. Mm -hmm. It reached number two on the Billboard charts Hot 100 on April 19th, 1986, and only did not reach number one. Because? Because Kiss was in the way. Yes, I remember listening to Casey Kasem. In early 1986, got to hear the top 40. It was so important. Uh-huh. Oh, and God, it was I the, the I think, 40. I don't remember if it was the first time or the first time in forever that an artist had held the number one and number, number two, two spots mm-hmm. on the chart. Super cool. Yeah. Uh, it's a funny song. It's always been funny. Yeah. I always grew up thinking of Valentino as being the clothing designer. Okay. But I don't really think that it was. I was like, well, it's, you know, Valentino. He's not really a sex symbol, but he had all the fancy clothes. And Uh by the way, he was gay, but he didn't come out till like 2004. Okay. So, you know, okay, whatever. But there was also a silent film star, and we know that Prince had a love of old films, and it's probably Rudolph Valentino, who had a tragic death in like 1926. Uh That's And he was very dreamy, evidently. So that was probably who that Valentino actually refers to i agree with you completely and i also thought that valentino like michelangelo just sounds like this overly dramatic love interest in the Uh mid-1980s that fits great into song lyrics very european Uh right um Um, prince's version was originally recorded in february of 1984 so again long before purple rain ever came out certainly long before around the world in a day or um that susanna hoffs knew you know that this existed yes Um, i had also read the story that susanna had asked prince for the song and they both happened to be in sunset sound in california and that's how the collaboration happened Um, so it was originally intended for Apollonia 6, yes. their first album, right. and was rejected, and uh, the Bengals took advantage. Oh, see, and I heard that he, see, this is where, well, I wish he was around for us to ask, because I heard that he had given it to Apollonia 6, and then took it away from them to give it to the Bengals. Oh, well, he's in control. Yes, he is, so I don't know if it was, because I can't imagine Apollonia 6 would reject anything. Like, they were excited to do it, and then yeah. he was like, yeah, no, I'm going to give this to the Bengals instead. He was constantly rethinking where these things all fit. There was so much material, mm-hmm. so who knows. The Bengals version also, I think it's worth noting, was mostly re-recorded by yes. them, although there's some of Prince's original tracking used yeah. in the song, yeah. too, which is interesting. All right, and then the lyrics. Okay, so I've known the lyrics of this song for a long time. Yeah. My whole life, Longer than you've known when me. it comes to this song, has been a lie. Because they, and I have to say, I think my misheard lyrics. Uh huh. Are they better? Maybe a little better. Let's hear them. Okay, so. 
An airplane couldn't get her to work on time. An aeroplane, you an, mean? An aeroplane, right. okay. yes. And I always thought it was the bus that could have made it on time. She says, the boss is already there. And I forever thought the bus was already there because uh-huh. she. I could blame it on the train, but the bus is already there. Like, well, the train may not be there in time, but the bus is on time and I could have done it. No, it was the boss. Right. The boss is yeah, Bruce work. Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then, oh, okay, so... For years, maybe up until just a couple weeks ago, uh-huh. I thought the lyrics were, it doesn't matter that I have to see the vocalist to form my spell. He tells me in his bedroom voice, come on, honey, let's go make some noise. Okay. Those are not the lyrics. Well, let's hear the correct lyrics. <laughs> the actual lyrics are, it doesn't matter that I have to feed the both of us. Employment's down. <laughs> I'm like... It's wow. so much funnier. It doesn't matter if I have to see the vocalist to form my spell. And that then he tells me in his bedroom voice, come on, honey, let's go make some noise. It makes so much more sense. You were so into and it's the... it's so much funnier. <laughs> yes, but you championed the economic lessons that Prince was giving to us on previous songs that we've yeah. covered. And here's another gem. No, mine's Employment's better. Down. Well, sing it how you like <laughs> Mine's better. She's seeing the vocalist. She doesn't care about employment. (laughs) She has a job. She has a job and she's trying to make it as a singer too. (laughs) She has to see her vocalist. If she could just get there on time, she'd be well employed. Yeah. That was my, that was my funny, my silly, anyway. Yeah, it's easy to, well, I mean, we were both based teenagers when this came out nearly teenagers yes but i have the album yes you do i have the the cd i have the cd i bought it on cassette yeah and then later also bought it on cd Uh i have it it has the lyrics oh right but i thought i knew the lyrics and i never sat down well you were so confident i thought the the vocalist to make a spell i thought the internet was wrong and I was like, I gotta go look at this. I'm I'm gonna have to like correct genius.com. Pull the curtain back on a misunderstanding. <sighs> My own misunderstanding, oh, man. No. What a Jeez. disappointment. Alright, and then the video, which didn't really have anything to do with Prince, but it was a fun eighties video yeah. with silly clocks and a cute <laughs> thing at the end where they pulled off all the calendar Mondays. Right. For, for an entire year for or something. 1986. Yeah. 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 I, it was fun. Yes. It was so. a great 80s video. All right. And then the final thing that we're going to talk about today is oh, Feline. Feline, the right. unreleased song by Prince. Yeah. Originally going to be for the family album. Uh huh. Didn't, didn't, didn't ever make, make it. Yeah. 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 Which I think was a good move. It didn't really fit. Uh, no. The feeling of the family album, but yeah, a lot, a lot of like we said, a lot of connections with the lyrics on this to Holly Rock, right? Which makes a lot of sense. All these things are connected together within you know twelve months of one another in, in Prince World. Um, so this kind of it's got a the saxophone plays a big role in it, kind uh-huh. of this uh, funky little line throughout the song, feline. I'm funky as I want to be, you know yeah. that kind of lyric. It's a, you know we've got the the whole cat reference. He likes yeah. to refer to cats and dogs. Yes, they make well established. Yeah, they make and, appearances in his songs a yeah. lot. Um, even you know the the line I'm 
Better Than the Wicked Witch. Is yes. in the song that yeah. is also in Holly Rock, also on the Black Album, and the song "Dead on It" uh-huh. would come back again as a rap line. Yeah, that would. I think it made a nice rhyme with lots of different words. Yeah, sure, so it worked. Sure, and then he. Uh, this is so funny. He calls out the Beverly Hillbillies theme song. Black gold, Texas tea. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, was watching the same he, stuff yeah, well, on the had, afternoons after school that I was watching. He had the same basic cable that we all did. <laughs> no, I didn't have basic cable. Okay. It was on the network stations. Yes. They yes. Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was funny. Yeah. It's a fun song. Great outtake. Um, again, I don't, I think it was the right move to not include it on yeah. uh, the family album. It's not this, uh, it's more of a boastful kind of song. Right. Than this, uh, oh, my bleeding heart dramatic yeah. 1980s feel that we get on the family's album. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, it was pretty explicit too. So Yes, there are some, there's some language in that one. No holding back. No, there's not. Yeah. But, so we've yeah. covered all kinds of stuff during Holy this. We've three different podcasts about uh, the music he was recording in 1985. And we're not even getting to some of my favorite unreleased songs from this era. I'll just run through some of them for the sake of saying them. Okay. There's a song called Come Electra Tuesday that was recorded right around the time of Hello. Uh-huh. That is an awesome listen if you can find it. Maybe we can hear a little bit of it right now. Just a tad. Come Electra Tuesday. Also, the song Heaven, Can I Play With You, which was a collaboration that he had with Miles Davis. A song called Go and Splash from The Revolution that were intended for a follow-up album by The Revolution called Roadhouse Garden. Mm -hmm. Um, There are alternate versions of Around the World in a Day that sound even more worldly and even more instruments than what ended up on the official album. And he re-recorded Around the World in a Day for... uh, 2006 Versace show. Okay. Easy for me to say. Uh, that's a great listen to. It sounds like Around the World in a Day meets 3121. Oh, um, so I think cool. you'd enjoy that too. Very cool. Um, that doesn't even include all the other. He had started recording instrumental songs at this time and building uh, the basis for what would become Madhouse, starting work on Under the Cherry Moon and Parade with the Revolution. So much more to get to. Right. I think we're going to call it good. For I think we're going to call it good. I think, you know, we've talked about it. It's hard to cover a lot of unreleased music. We don't want to get to a point where we're talking about things that you guys can't find easily enough to listen to. We don't want anybody to think we're trying to exploit his memory or that we're trying to you know, do something that's sure. inappropriate. Yeah, there's plenty else to, to record. So maybe in. Yeah. couple years when we get yeah. through every album known to mankind by Prince, well, we can delve into that sure. kind of stuff. There's and, time for it. Well, and my hope is always that we'll get some official releases yeah. of a lot of this stuff that we have. At some point, we'll get... Maybe. Maybe. We'll, we'll see. see. All right. So Speaking we of have, C. <laughs> speaking of C, we have some rules. You and your rules. Let's hear them. Me and my rules. You call it a format. I call it some rules. (laughs) Uh, We pick a time capsule, something that encapsulates the time, really Mm -hmm. like signifies the time of either the recording or the time it was released. The choice is up to the person making the selection. Then we have a C, our low point, the thing we liked the least, and our mountain, the thing that we liked the best. Mm -hmm. So... 
I always go first. Yes. They're your rules. (laughs) They're my rules, so I have to go first. The time capsule Uh uh, for me is Manic Monday because it sounds... You were... It was like the height of like... This I'm going to like music that my parents don't like. Oh, and this was this and was this, your rebel song. <laughs> this, it was like the beginning. Well, yeah, you know, my, know. my parents are older, and I know. if it wasn't recorded before 1950, my parents yes. don't want to listen to it. Sure. So you know, this was uh, this was like my parents didn't really care for it, but yeah. I really liked it, and I listened to it incessantly. Yeah, and it feels like the mid 1980s to me. Mm-hmm. So. I, tol- I totally agree. Yeah. Um, that's not my choice, though. Okay. My What's choice yours? for the time capsule is nothing compares to you. Oh, okay. Um, I think any of the above, Prince's version or the family's version. Okay. I think t- just because that's where I first heard the song. Okay. And then it was six years later that Sinead O'Connor came along right. and made it a massive hit. Prince sort of reclaimed it, started playing it in concert after Sinead's version, and then we also got this video from the estate earlier this year right? of Prince's version of the song, the original recording, and you know the video that almost felt like a eulogy in itself, and to a degree, just felt right to me as yeah. a time capsule. Yeah. Fair. Fair. All right. See, the thing that we like the least... I bet we might agree on this one, but... <laughs> Is it the Dance Electric video? No. Oh, because, man, they tried, but I, ju- I don't know what the story was. Man, yeah. Yeah. you take a good song and you put this <laughs> nonsensical video with it. Could have Nobody's been intentional. Li- oh, yeah, well, it, it was so a poor intention be, well, if it was intentional. That could have been the approach. Let's make something so out there that no one else is doing it. And, you know, that's how people find a lot of success, to be honest, is do something different. Well, yeah. It was just a misfire. I agree. Yeah. Um, Andre Simone's still around. He's yeah. got an awesome newer album out, too, you can check out on cool. streaming services. He's also active on Twitter. Maybe we'll ask him, oh. what were they thinking with this video? <laughs> Can you give us a little background? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Wow. Well, seat? for me, I'm going to do you one lower, and it was the Screams of Passion video. Oh. It's far worse. I mean, at least you could say the Dance Electric, they were trying something different, and the Screams of Passion, they were just failing at everything. <laughs> Use of technology kind of thrown together choreograph yeah i think band members playing instruments they don't play right the whole thing just came off as yeah. just not right to me i know they had to do it <laughs> they probably had a limited budget to do it probably had a limited time to do it but man it's just not good and no. it's a great song and yeah. prince's version of it to me is awesome and their right. own version is great too it's one of the best songs from the album and a great single but the video didn't do it any favors. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, it's. I feel bad, like, speaking so harshly of mid-1980s videos. They tried. Oh, yeah, I'm not placing blame. I'm just... Uh, you're just not just liking it. I'm just describing to you what I'm seeing today. <laughs> All right, and then we have our mountain, the high point. For me, it was Prince's Nothing Compares to You. Oh, great. Yeah, only because I couldn't pick that as a time capsule because for me, that yeah. song is early 90s because mm-hmm. I didn't know about it until Sinead O'Connor had it as a hit. You're like 99% of people Ex- in the world. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I loved her version of the song. I loved it for years before I even knew Prince wrote it. Yeah. 
And I love his version. I love it. Yeah, it yeah. is definite. I mean, the more instrumentation that oh. I mean, and it's all him it's essentially. All him. Yeah. Um, and even the sax from Eric Leeds seems like it's lifted straight from Prince's version and used on the family's version too, right. without any percussion. Right. Uh, but yeah, it comes off again. I go back to like desperately real. It's and because, like you said, in the story behind the song. It was kind of uniquely not so much about love, but missing a little bit of companionship and someone who took care of him. Yeah. And took care of things that he yeah. literally couldn't do for himself because of everything he had going on. And right. sort of this, like almost a thank you to this person too, which is a sweet, sweet yeah. thing. Very sweet. My mountain, mountain ended up being, I mean, there's a lot to choose from uh-huh. here. A whole lot to choose from. I know. From. Just because it's your mountain doesn't mean it's the only thing that you like. That's there's right. plenty of other stuff to like. There is. But the, you can have a favorite. It's not like children. Well, thanks for making me feel better. Um, I picked a love bazaar. Oh yeah, Prince and Sheila E is my mountain. Oh. I thought it was easily the best song on Sheila's yeah. uh, album. Agreed. If I had to pick a love bazaar or any of the songs on the family's album, I think I probably would go with a love bazaar. Really? Just, I think it sounds. It's you know, it's someone Prince was. He spent so much of his life with. She went in and out of his life quite a few times. They were engaged at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to me is an important milestone in his catalog. Right. Not part of a Prince album, something he gave away, and but I think was of, of great quality. Right. And he shared it with someone who was special, special to, to him. him. Yeah. That's great. Yep. That's wonderful. All right. So next time. Next time, we are lucky, lucky, lucky because um, we just saw the release by the Prince Estate of Piano and a Microphone, 1983, uh, which was circulating as a bootleg for years, and like many Prince collectors, I had it. Uh, Maybe I had listened to it three or four times and Uh just stashed it away because it wasn't a very good recording, lots of noise, it sounded like a... 15th generation tape um so this release kind of brings it back to life and it's prince alone again sad to agree to a degree because i think it was nothing that he ever intended to be heard right but that's not his decision anymore so we get a chance to to hear it so uh, it won't be often that you and i get to hear a prince release get it on release day we were actually at a bookstore uh-huh. and, and bought, bought the, the deluxe record. edition got yeah. the record and the cd um so we haven't even opened it yet we'll study it for the a couple weeks yeah and we'll i can't come back wait to review. look at the the, the liner booklet. notes and the books yeah yeah the, that's what i miss most about the digital age of music is that we get less of that and mm-hmm. here we are this gift here is prince from the early right the right. early 80s where you get to hear him being so raw and honest and real and yeah. we also get to see so we'll pull back that curtain a little bit more and see these photos that have never been seen before and yeah definitely a very personal very cool. recording i mean the unfortunate thing is this is the future of prince releases it's going to be someone else's decision what to share with us so we're well, going to get what we get and we won't throw a fit that's right and we're going to try not to be sad because we can't do anything about it we just have to appreciate that we get a chance with it so yeah the good news is there's more coming yep woohoo all right well thank you so much for spending your time with us today congratulations again to our contest winner yeah way to go and thanks to everyone who uh, entered yes we really really appreciate it we'll see you in a couple weeks